Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. You know, today I am so excited to bring the Word to you. And I just want to let you know, I believe that God has something special in store for every single one of us. And, um, you know, our, our world in these times is, um, there's, a, there's an agenda that's taking place for you and I. Did you know that? There is a worldly agenda that comes from the enemy, and there's a world system that the devil wants to fit us into. And... What we see in society today, if you've turned on the news or you've uh, opened up social media, what you see is that um, people are not getting along very well. And what's happening is that there are, there's groups of people and, and society wants to fit us neatly into one of those groups. And if you don't fit into that group, then um, then there's a problem, and if you believe this, then you're a part of this group. If you believe that, then you're a part of that group, and there's no way that this group can be in agreement with this group. You see, the world system is one to divide us. The world system is one to take us and to use what we believe and the things that we hold dear and to use that against us so that we're fighting with one another. Have you experienced that? Have you seen that? Maybe on social media you've seen that there's a lot of emotional pleas and they're saying things like, well, if you think this way, there's no way that you could be a decent human being. If you believe this, there's no way that you can have a conscience. If you, if you voted for this person, there's no way that you could be a Christian. If you did this, then and all of these, cert, these statements that are so broad and overreaching, and they're ignoring the individual. They're ignoring the person. Church family, I'm telling you, I've been grieved as I've gone on to social media. And you know why? Not because the world is talking about each other um, and they're, they're saying all sorts of horrendous things against each other. I expect that. But what grieves me is that the church is more concerned about winning arguments than about winning each other other with love. The church has abandoned the biblical mandates of how to handle conflict. They're no longer using Matthew 18 to go and to confront their brother, but rather they're throwing out statements like, you know, people need to understand, or those people, or, you know, if I just wanna say, and we intro things like that thinking that there's actually not like two people that we intended it for. I wanna tell you, church family, we have to be above the way that the world operates. Would you agree with that? So, amen. That, you know, if you're, if you're online, there was two people that clapped for that, okay? Um, so we're just, we're just gonna move forward in faith and believe that this is the word that we need, amen? Listen, I wanna tell you something. Turn to your neighbor right now, and I want you to say, this message is for me. 
Come on, if you're online, you gotta do it too. This message is for me. And, and it, I, the, you're not done, okay? Say, you can apply it if you want to, but this is for me. Okay, so I just wanted to say that because today's message is one of, it's a good one that, you know, it, it, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you're like, man, I hope so-and-so's listening to this. <laughs> and you, it's one of those messages that you're like so ready for someone else to apply because you are so sure that they have a problem. Today, let's not do that. Let's just say, God, you speak to me by your Holy Spirit from your word to my heart. I don't need anyone else to apply it. I just need to apply it. Amen? Today, I want to talk to you about something that I believe is going to help us as a country move forward, but it's going to help us as a church move forward. God has given us, I believe, in, you know, not to be too cheesy, but I believe that God has given us a superpower. And do you know what that is? Forgiveness. You know, when you're able to forgive someone, something powerful takes place. When Jesus came to the earth, he died on the cross so that why? So that you and I could be forgiven. So I think Jesus thinks that this is pretty important. Forgiveness is a core essential of the Christian faith. And what I've seen is that there's been so much pain. There's been so much hurt. There's been so many words that have been spoken that are so harsh and they're so wrong and they're so off. There's been so many attacks made, even inside the body of Christ. I believe that something that we need to do is we need to learn how to forgive. We need to learn how to forgive. And today, I want you to know that forgiveness is your superpower. Forgiveness is your superpower, and I wanna tell you, if you use it, you will experience things that you never thought possible. You will see miracles, you will experience healing, and you will create new futures for people. So here's the deal. Forgiveness is something that is gonna enable us to move forward. And what I wanna do today is I wanna look at the life of Stephen. We're gonna look at his death. Stephen was the very first martyr of the church. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter seven. We're gonna look at this in just one moment. But today's sermon is gonna be looking at this section where, where Stephen is being falsely accused. You see, what happened is Stephen, he was a deacon, he was a servant in the church, and what he did is he was out on the streets preaching, he was healing people, he was comforting people, and what he did was he came and people didn't like what he was saying. And so because they didn't like what he was saying, they began to argue with him. And when they began to argue with him, they said, you know what, you are preaching something that is wrong and illegal. You see, in those days, if you preached a word that went against the, the, um, the Jewish belief system, you could be executed. It was a serious crime. And Stephen was accused of blasphemy. And they said, what you're saying is sacrilegious. What you're saying is so off and so wrong, even though what he was talking about was Jesus. And so as he's preaching, these men began to accuse him, and they brought him before the religious leaders. And they brought him before the religious leaders, and the religious leaders, they let him speak. But even before he was done speaking, they took him and they executed him. 
Stephen died. Before we really got to know Stephen very well in the scriptures, he was murdered. In the Old Testament, uh, excuse me, not in the Old Testament, but in these days, there was um, a form of execution and it was called stoning. And typically what would happen when someone was stoned is they would be pushed off a, a, a ledge that was somewhat high, uh, oftentimes not high enough to kill them. Sometimes it would, but they would push them off and once they fell down to the ground, they would turn them over and the first witness would then come and bring a big stone and they would drop it on the person that had fallen. The second witness, if that stone didn't kill them, if the fall didn't kill them, the second witness would bring a stone and they would drop it and it would fall on the individual. And if that did not kill them, then the entire community that was present would begin to pick up stones and they would begin to, to throw them at, this, at the accused until they were dead. It's a very gruesome form of execution but there was, a, there was a form and there was a process that they were supposed to go through. In this case, they didn't follow that. In this case, Stephen was brought and the intimation that we get because he fell to his knees was that they didn't go through the correct protocol. And so what began to happen is Stephen was unjustly accused. He was unjustly convicted and then he was unjustly executed. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. And so with that backdrop, I want to read to you Stephen's final moments on this earth. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54, it says this. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray, oh God, Lord, that today, all of us in this room, online, anyone that is listening to this message, that we would forgive. I pray, Holy Spirit, this is a spiritual activity that we are doing right now. We are listening to the word of God and we are expecting your voice to communicate to us. Even me as the preacher, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us individually and corporately, oh God. Lord, that we would take your words and that we would understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches and we would apply it, oh God, in our own personal lives and corporately, oh God. Jesus, we need your help. We look to you, oh God, and we ask, help us to forgive. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, praise the Lord. Well, listen, today, the way that I wanna go through this 
is I wanna first, today is gonna, the structure of the message essentially is gonna have two sections. And the first section is how to forgive. And the second section is gonna be the results of forgiveness. And what I wanna do is I wanna go through this passage and I wanna make a couple of points along the way. But the first section, I want us to understand how do we forgive, especially in light of what we see in Stephen's life. And then the second section, I wanna explain why it's so important that we forgive because there is something, there are results that we cannot produce on our own. There are supernatural miracles that God wants to do once we forgive. So, I wanna look at the first thing that we have to understand, and this is, if you wanna know how to forgive, because are, do you believe that we should forgive? Do you agree with me on that? Yes? Okay, good. So, this is how we do it. Let's look at Stephen, someone who was unjustly murdered, but in that moment, had enough clarity to be able to forgive. How do we do it? The first thing, Look at this passage, it says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, but he, full of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that if you're gonna forgive someone, you can't do it on your own? If you wanna forgive someone, it is a spiritual activity that you are actually releasing them. And so I wanna encourage you and I wanna let you know that if you plan to forgive someone, you're gonna need God's help. Stephen was a man that was full of the Spirit of God. He was so full of God that when he came to this moment, he says, I know I am full of God and I am able not only to be full of God, I'm able to see God and I'm able to forgive you. On the flip side of that, if you're unwilling to forgive, do you know what that means? You're in the flesh. Because the way of the Spirit is forgiveness. The Spirit is not going to lead you to have a bitter heart. The Spirit of God wants you to be free. The Spirit wants to enable you to release other people because that's the heart of Jesus. Are you hearing me this morning? I want you to know that the Spirit of God wants to supernaturally empower you. This is a supernatural power that you are being given. And when you forgive someone, you are doing something in the Spirit. You can't forgive someone in the flesh, so we have to be in the Spirit. And then look at this. Look at what else Stephen shows us. The Bible says that he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You wanna know how to forgive? Look at Jesus, not your accusers. If you wanna be able to forgive a person, if you start looking at them and you start assessing everything that they've done, it becomes very difficult to forgive all of a sudden because you know if you're a spouse in the room, maybe you're like, well, I already told them this 70 times. Why are they doing it again? Don't say amen too loud on that, right? Uh, or, or maybe you're like, you know what? I've told this person not to do that. I've told them that it bothers me, but they just keep doing it. Or maybe you look at something and you say, you know what? I, I, um, I, can't, I can't understand why they have all of these issues and they never fix and they never change and they never do anything differently. When you look at Jesus, your perspective changes. 
When you look at Jesus, automatically, what you're reminded of is that you've been forgiven. So sometimes it's so hard to forgive someone else, and we just conveniently forget the scoundrel that we were. Come on, I got one amen off of that. There's one honest person in the room. We forget, we forget what, how bad we are. And we, we don't allow the humility of Jesus to be transferred to us. But when you look at Jesus, when you see his nail-scarred hands, you say, man, if he could forgive, why can't I? If he's able to forgive, how could I possibly hold a grudge? If he's able to release someone, how can I hold someone else accountable for something? Be careful, because the standard that you use for someone else will be used for you. That's what Jesus said. It's a scary thought. But Jesus, he always has more forgiveness available. Look, if I'm aware of the victory of Jesus, then I'm not... I don't need the validation of winning an argument. If I already know Jesus won, if I already know Jesus has got everything taken care of, then I, I, don't, I don't need that. I can just be at peace. I can let them be very, very wrong and still forgive them. I can let them be unrepentant and still forgive them. Now, the next part is, is great. I just love this. This reminds me of junior high because the Bible says, but they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. So it's like, I can't hear you. You know, you remember that, okay? That's what's going on right here. They're saying, we don't wanna listen to you anymore. Maybe you've been in a discussion like that sometime, but here's what I wanna let you know. You can't control anyone's response. Forgive them anyways. Listen, if Stephen would have looked at him, he was like, well, if they would have at least listened to me, I would have forgiven them. No. Nobody was listening. They didn't deserve to be forgiven. And, and, and when Stephen was watching this thing unfold, what he's, what he's witnessing is he's saying, hey, these guys, they are so wrong, but I'm still going to forgive them. You know, Sometimes when, um, and I, I do the same thing, but sometimes when, when, uh, when, when I'm in counseling, what happens is a husband and wife will come, and um, what happens is both of them want to be validated by the counselor. So they want to say, no, no, well, who's more wrong? Because, like, I know that I did a little bit, but, like, Right? Am I right? You know? And, and, and they come in and, and, and it's like, yeah, but, but they did this. And, and but, but yeah, but you said this. And, and, and you get into this thing and then, and, then, and then the point always comes and says, okay, but okay, all right, all right. Let's, let's just calm down because you guys have been going at this for a while. So let's just chill. Do you want to stop? Both of them are like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's forgive each other. And they're like, okay, you go first. <laughs> because once you, if you acknowledge that what you did was wrong, then I'll forgive you. 
if you, if you say, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, and I shouldn't have done that, and it's like, okay, well, as long as you recognize how bad you are, I will forgive you. But you know what? That's not how it goes. Forgiveness is 100% your responsibility. Forgiveness is not contingent on someone else's behavior. Forgiveness is not contingent on someone else's uh, uh, worthiness. Forgiveness is something that you give because Jesus gave it to you when you weren't worthy. Forgiveness is something that you offer to someone else because you want to see healing and you want to see a change take place. Forgiveness is not enabling someone. Forgiveness is releasing them. Sometimes we don't want to forgive because we're afraid that we're going to enable. That's a totally different conversation. Forgiveness is something that we need to do regardless. And you know what? You can't control someone's response. Sometimes there's marriages that are on the rocks and they say, oh, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna leave because they're, not, they're never gonna change. They're not gonna change. And you know what? I just don't wanna live with this anymore. And, and, and oftentimes they forget. What the Bible says is that you forgive. Are you glad that the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning? I'm glad. I, I, I'm glad that his mercies, I, I've kind of, maybe, maybe I've taken that verse out of context, but I believe that God's mercies are new every five minutes. That's what I believe. I, I just, I, I just want to say, God, I, I, I know there's enough grace for me, and I'm so grateful for that grace. If you take advantage of the grace, you have to be able to distribute it. You have to be able to give it. You can't control someone else's response. Forgive anyways. You can't change them. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Some of you might recognize that name, Saul. Why is this even in this text? Saul later became an apostle in the church. And you know, here's the lesson that I believe that we should learn from this. Don't demonize the crowd or you'll miss the individual. This is what society wants us to do. They want to say, oh, if you believe that, I, I just can't even, I can't even talk to you. If you think in this way, you are just so off, you're just so in the wrong place, and I, I just can't even have a civil conversation with you because, because you're so, I, I just can't believe that you would think that. That is evil, and you don't line up with my morals. Meanwhile, none of us even line up with our own morals. So we're holding someone else accountable to a standard that we can't uphold ourselves. And the standard keeps changing, by the way, in the world. One week this is wrong, the next week that's wrong. It, it's, it's switching, it's, it's constantly on the move. I hope that you've been reading the news so you know what's wrong this week. The standard of the world, we can't go by that. And, and what we can't do is we can't put someone in a group and then disassociate ourselves from that person and say, well, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't be in, in, in fellowship with that person because if they believe that, there's no way I could do work with them. There's no way that I, can, that I can partner with that person if they believe that way. Listen, 
if you find yourself disassociating yourself, especially believers, I'm talking believers, if you find yourself unable to fellowship and you find yourself disassociating yourself from other believers because of uh, uh, what they believe or a group that they belong to, you've bought into bitterness. You've bought in. We've gotta get out of that world system, guys. We are above that. We offer forgiveness. I'm so glad that Stephen didn't say, man, these are just a bunch of legalistic people that, and they're never gonna be able to accomplish anything for God and you know what, they're just evil. And you know what, what they were doing was evil, what they were saying was evil, what they were going to accomplish was evil, but Stephen in the middle of that was be able to look at a group and he was able to see people that Jesus died for. And he was able to say, Jesus, if you were on the cross and you said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I can say it too. Nobody knew Saul, but I believe that this is the day that Paul was born. I believe that when, when, when Stephen said, God, forgive him, what happened is God looked down and he says, okay, he's released, I'm gonna use him. Don't demonize the crowd, or you miss the individual. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here's the lesson. Acknowledge the wrong, and then release the person. Listen, forgiveness, it's not about just like being happy-go-lucky. Oh, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Everything's fine. Oh, no, we're good. Oh, no, it didn't bother me anyways. No, no, that's not honest. Forgiveness is what Stephen did. He says, Father, forgive them for this sin because they've done something terribly wrong, and I want to forgive them for that. They don't understand the depths of this. And you know the amazing part about this is he says they don't know what they're doing. And I'm like, well, yeah, actually they do. They, they totally know that they're killing you and that this is not right and it's unjust. But, but Stephen understood, no, this is way worse than they even think it is. But I still wanna forgive them because they don't understand that they're not just stoning me, but they're re-stoning Jesus in me. I still want to forgive them. He says they don't even understand how bad this is. But even though they don't understand, I understand that their sin is worse than they think it is, but I'm still willing to forgive them. You see, some of us, we think that, well, we just brush it under the rug. Oh, that didn't bother me. That didn't bother me. No, no. It, it, if it bothered you, that's why you're thinking about it. That, oh, no. Well, what they said didn't really bother me. Then why has it been two weeks? You have to be honest with yourself. You gotta call it out. Listen, I wanna, I wanna read a quote to you, if you could put that up. It says, do not try to fortify yourself against emotions. Recognize them, name them, and lay them open before the Lord for his training of your responses. Call it out. God, I'm hurt right now. 
What they said was so painful. Listen, you know what? It's really hard for people that you don't know to hurt you. It's typically the people that you know really well. And those are the people that you've got to say, God, I, I, am, I, am, I am receiving even the people that are closest to me and they should know better. God, I want to just take this pain to you and I want to ask you, how should I respond? Not immediately going to social media, not immediately uh, just icing someone and just shutting them off from your life, not just going dark on someone, but saying, God, this hurt me. What is the response that you would have for me, Holy Spirit? Listen, Matthew 18 lays out for us how we are supposed to respond. I don't have time to go into it, but I want you to go. Read Matthew 18. Jesus talks about what forgiveness looks like. It talks about how you're supposed to go one-on-one, -on -one, individual to individual. If someone has offended you, go and talk to them. Give them a phone call. Interact with them as a person, not as an idea that you have to combat online. We need to go back to the way that Jesus told us. Listen, let's look at the results. This is the, the beauty of this. This is incredible. What are the results of forgiveness? First thing, forgiveness brings healing. You know what I found is that when you forgive, you're the one that gets the most blessed. The Bible says, don't give the enemy a foothold. And what that means is that you don't, if a door is closed, you can't get in. But if a foot is in the door and you try to close it, it just won't close. And guess what? Other things get in. And here's what happens sometimes. People don't even realize it, but because there's unforgiveness in their heart, all sorts of other things, bitterness, anger, even lust, all sorts of different things, they creep into your heart. Why? Because there's a foothold. The devil's got his foot in there. He's saying, hey, don't ever give that up. They don't deserve it. Hey, that was just too bad. Listen, can I just tell you, it doesn't matter what's been done against you. Forgiveness is 100% your responsibility. And I tell you what, if you forgive someone, you will heal. Have you been hurt? Have you been abused? Maybe you're here, you're watching online, you're here in person. Maybe you've been abused even by a family member. Maybe you've been raped. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been verbally just lamb blasted for your entire marriage. Maybe, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know how bad it is. And you might say, Pastor David, you have no idea what's been done to me. And I'll say to you, you're right, I don't. I can't understand the depths of the pain that you have experienced. I can't understand that because I have not lived your life, but Jesus does. Jesus understands where you've been. Jesus understands what you've gone through and he knows the kind of pain that you've experienced. He knows. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Bible says, he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? What? God turned away. The father turned away from the son so that he could receive the wrath that our sins deserved. Jesus took the punishment 
of someone else. He took all the abuse. He took all the shame. He took all the ridicule. He took it on his shoulders and he went to the cross and he died and he provided supernatural forgiveness. Listen, today, if you are holding on and you can't forgive someone else, you're the one that's suffering. Release them. Release them. It's a supernatural work, but it is your supernatural power that the world doesn't have. The world might not be able to forgive, but you've been given something that the world doesn't have, and we don't think like the world. We're not bound to the world system. We can operate at a supernatural speed and a supernatural health because we can look at, at what someone has done, and we can say, no, it doesn't matter how ugly it is. It doesn't matter how demonic it was. I forgive that person, I release them, and I recognize that they're a sinner, just like I'm a sinner, and Jesus' blood is big enough to cover us both. <laughs> Hallelujah. What's the other result? Listen, without forgiveness, there is no future. If you don't forgive, what happens is you stay stuck in a cycle. When you don't forgive, justice just keeps rolling over and over and over again. And guess what, guys? Justice is a heavy burden to carry. You can't handle it, I promise. The Bible says that revenge is mine, saith the Lord. We cannot carry the load of justice. And I wanna tell you, if you wanna see cycles broken, begin to forgive, begin to release. Are you in a cycle with your, with your husband, with your wife? Forgive them, release them. Are you in a cycle with, with someone at your workplace? Forgive them, release them. Allow the Holy Spirit to put something supernatural in you that breaks the cycle of sin and death. Forgive, release. No one is expecting it. I guarantee. You know, in the 50s, there was a group of five missionaries. And those missionaries, they were, they were trying to reach an unreached people group, a, a group uh, that had never heard the gospel. And the, the name of this tribe was the Huarani tribe. I'm probably mispronouncing it, but... Uh, that was the name of this tribe. And, and what they were doing is they had a small plane that could land on the water and, and they were dropping off gifts and they were dropping off um, um, uh, just, just things that would show the, the, uh, this tribe that they're friends, that they're not there uh, to harm or to take anything away. And so they would leave it and then they would fly. And they did this for, for a little while and eventually they said, you know what, it's time for us to go now and to introduce ourselves and to meet these people. And so they landed the plane in the river. And maybe you're familiar with this story, but they, they got out of the plane and what happened was all five of those missionaries, they were killed. They were speared to death by the tribe. You see, this tribe was a, was a vicious tribe. There was all sorts of revenge killings that were taking place inside of this tribe. They were a tribe that was known for war and it was known for hatred and, and resentment and bitterness. They, were, they, would do, they would come into each other's uh, uh, camps at night and they would sneak into their huts and kill the other person and sneak away. 
and there was this cycle, and it was just one death after the next, one death after the next. And so when the missionaries landed, they said, this is another enemy. They killed all five of them. These men, they had, they had families. They had wives and children. One of those wives, her name is Elizabeth Elliot. I quoted her earlier. Two of the women, Elizabeth Elliot being one of them, had small, small children, very small children, and they said, we're gonna go back. And they made a decision. They got in connection with the tribe, and they ended up going back to this tribe. Now listen, maybe you're familiar with this story, maybe you're not, but what ended up happening is that those two missionary women, they went in and they transformed that tribe with the power of Jesus' name. They went in and people began to get saved. People began to give their hearts to the Lord. You see, I, and, and I wanna read something to you. This is an article that was written far uh, after. It says, James Boster, an anthropologist from the University of Connecticut, studied the history of the uh, Huarani tribe and their revenge murders and concluded that Christian conversion prevented self-extinction. Deadly cycles of revenge had scattered them into small paranoid factions. Attempted truces failed because their language had no words for abstractions such as peace. They literally didn't even have in their language the words for forgiveness. Because Christianity was brought by kin of men they had killed, but who befriended them in return, it became a powerful way to signal their commitment to nonviolence, he said. From a dwindling 600 members in 1958, the tribe has grown to 2,000. The missionary deaths really re represent a kind of martyrdom in the best Christian sense, said Dr. Boaster, who is not an evangelical Christian. At first blush, their death was needless as they were on a mission of peace. But in the long run, the fact that their kin went back in peace to teach was a strong signal that the Huarani could trust both the messengers and the message. I wanna put up a picture. This is Steve Saint and the Huarani tribesmen. Steve Saint was the child of the other woman missionary that went to minister to this tribe. Steve Sane is still ministering to this tribe to this day. And three of the men in this picture were the men that killed his father. In fact, this man right here, once he gave his life to Jesus, as Steve Saint was a little boy, this man adopted him and said, I want you to be like my son. And he began to teach him and train him in the, in the things that he knew and in their culture and in their ways. And now Steve Saint's children call this man grandpa. The man that killed their biological grandpa is the man that they say, that's my grandpa. I wanna tell you something. Your forgiveness is going to create a future that is unseen yet. And I believe that there are miracles that God is waiting to perform. And he's saying, will my people forgive? Will they release someone so that I can do what I've been wanting to do in their life? What would the church look like if Stephen would have said, God, bring them justice? 
What would the church have looked like if he didn't say, God, forgive them for they don't know what they do? I'll tell you something. I bet you that Paul would never have been. Paul ended up being an apostle of the church, wrote half of the New Testament, took the gospel all around the known world at the time. He formed the doctrines, most of the doctrines of the church and, and organized things in a way so that what we know as church today is largely formed by the thoughts of Paul. Stephen didn't know that Paul was there, but he was willing to forgive. What future are we going to create by the people that we will forgive? What are you willing to let go? Can we stand together? I believe that Jesus wants to perform miracles for us today. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online and there is pain inside of your heart. Maybe there's even bitterness. Maybe there's some things that you're holding against someone. Maybe someone said something to you and that person, you need to get on the phone and you need to give them a call. Maybe someone has done something to you and you look at it and you say, man, there's no way that I could ever forgive them. Stop it in Jesus' name, you can forgive them. Today is the day to release. It's the day to let go because Jesus has released us. Will you close your eyes? I want us to just lift up our hearts and right now, if there's someone that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind, even before you have that conversation with them, I want you right now, forgive them. Let them go. Maybe you've been abused and it's too painful. I wanna tell you something, sometimes you gotta put your feelings in the back seat and you have to say, by faith, I forgive them. It doesn't matter what I feel, I forgive them in Jesus' name. And you might have to say it a hundred times, but you can remind yourself of the truth. If God has forgiven me, I can forgive someone. Hallelujah. Jesus, right now, I pray, oh God, release in Jesus' name. I pray for healing to come right now in Jesus' name. I pray restore marriages in Jesus' name. I pray break the cycle of anger and bitterness, oh God, in Jesus' name. I pray that we would drop the burden of justice and that we would, oh God, Lord, give forgiveness. I pray, oh God, Lord, if we have offended someone, that we would go and that we would repent and apologize. I pray, oh God, Lord, that you would enable us, oh God, to live like Stephen, to live like you. We trust that you're gonna do this. We know that you're gonna do this. And we give you the praise and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be his name. Come on, can we give God praise? Hallelujah.